فقط توجه کن صبح زود ساعت شیش میای دوبار من صدا میکن میگه آقای بدی آقای بدی Taste of Cherry is a 1997 film by the uh, Iranian filmmaker uh, Abbas Kiarostami. Um, it's, uh, it's a very simple movie that uh, mainly shows us a man called Mr. Badi driving through the small town and um, stopping and asking strangers if they could do him a favor for which he's willing to pay a lot of money. The favor is a little bit unusual. Um, he's going to commit suicide and he's looking for somebody to just bury him after he kills himself. Um, he approaches a number of people about this, uh, a, a young soldier, um, a, a, a priest in training, and finally an older professor. Um, most people uh, obviously think that this is a very strange request and send him away. Eventually he finds somebody who agrees to do it. Um, and the movie ends with him uh, basically going through with his uh, suicide. There's a little bit more to it than that, but that's, that's about what the movie is. Welcome to Cinema Gadfly, Nevin. Thanks for coming back to talk about this film. Oh, hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so let's start out. Let me ask you, um, why did you choose this movie for me to watch? Um, gosh. Uh, with, uh, you chose uh, Day of Wrath. And I felt like we had sort of established, you know, a, a slightly kind of artsy existentialist kind of tone to it. Um, and, and, and I only say that not, not, not that I thought that I had to match that, but I love that kind of thing. And so I feel like it just gave me sort of permission to pick something like this. I was like, here's, here's somebody who will, who will dig this. I, I first saw this movie 10 years ago, maybe a little more, and I loved it at the time. And I've sort of, I haven't rewatched it since, but I've mentioned it a lot to people. And, you know, this giving me an excuse to show it to someone else and talk about it just felt great. Awesome. Uh, so I loved it. I cool. absolutely cool. loved it. Great. Uh, it, I, I, was blown, I was blown away. And I, I should say, I watched this film uh, via my Criterion Collection DVD of it, which is like one of the first 50... DVDs they released, and anyone who knows a lot about the Criterion Collection knows that if you're watching a Criterion Collection DVD that hasn't been upgraded to Blu-ray, and it's from the first 51, it is a horrifically poor <laughs> version of the film. It's not even anamorphic, so it was just in like a section of the center of my TV screen. Same, same, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That said, isn't that almost perfect for this movie? Yes, I, I <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going. Yes, and I because I the first thing I thought was, man, this is first of all, it's perfect for the because the framing of the film, it's just like perfect for the framing, and then also it still is such a beautiful film. Yes, like yes. I was, I mean, it. This is a film that takes place mostly in and around very dusty construction areas, yeah. uh, mountains in a completely non-lush environment. You know, somewhere near Tehran, right? With a sloppy-looking dude driving in a beat-up car. <laughs> in a beat-up car, and it's beautiful. Yeah, things are framed intentionally, but it's almost like there was no crew here that was doing makeup <laughs> or sets or anything like that. Well, you know, I I, I read that Kirostami rode in the car. Yes. Like he was just yes. he was the guy film you know he's just filming himself from the from the passenger I it's like so crazy but it is an absolutely beautiful beautiful film like really stunning in in some ways and so like you said so uh I think um thoughtfully uh, framed like yeah. so carefully framed I mean 
70% of the movie is showing you one of the two people in the car because usually what happens is he drives around, he stops, talks to someone and you either see them through the window or they enter the car and then go for a ride with him. And 70% of the movie is either him or the other person. And yeah, you said Kiarostami, the director, would sit in the other seat and then sort of, you know, bounce the lines off the person and then that would get spliced together. Um, one thing I thought this time watching it was that if you told somebody that this movie was done like reality show style, that they just drove through and picked up people and told them this and shot their reactions, you could convince a lot of people. And that's because, partly because it's an Iranian movie, you don't know any of the actors, you have no idea, right? You don't know who's a star or whatever. But partly because it's so naturalistic, it's so relaxed, there is no, there's barely any acting in the movie. I mean, I, I don't... I don't mean that in some sense where it's like, oh, look how subtle these actors are. But it's just like there's there's so few moments of like heightened drama where people get to yell or whatever. It's just sort of like people having a conversation. Yeah, I wondered. So I I I I, I wondered what other people think about this movie. So um, my uh, I'm I'm obviously uh, American, but my heritage is my family's Middle Eastern, and not but not Iran, Iranian. And it, for me, watching these people, they were so welcoming and open and yeah. and it, yeah. it was it reminded me of when i spend time in the middle east of the way that the societies there work and so it felt incredibly first of all it was great to see this and experience these cultural things but it also felt very familiar in that kind of yep. in, in, in an interesting way uh that i wonder to to a, a lot of americans i wonder if they would watch it and be like why the hell are these people why do they care? Why are they offering to make him food? Why are they making him tea? Why are they talking? Why does anyone want to hang out with him? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, because he is just a weird dude who drives up and starts talking to people and really asking them, dude. asking them like what their job is and what they're doing here. And people, like you said, for the most part, will just talk to him. There's one guy who brushes him off in a very like, you're a weirdo getaway uh, kind of way. But most people are accepting. So when you mentioned that, 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 that a lot of Americans might not, you know, uh, get that, um, did you happen to see what Roger Ebert thought about this movie? Yes. So this, yes, I did. To establish it for everyone else, two facts about this movie. One, Roger Ebert gave it one star and then put it on his list of his most hated movies. Two, it won the 1997 Cannes Film Festival <laughs> Grand Award. It is also currently on several people's, uh, uh, what's it called, Sight and Sound. Uh, greatest uh, of all time. Yeah, greatest list, of all yeah. time. Uh, including, I, gosh, I forget who, who it is. Might be Scorsese or somebody like that, you know, puts it on their list. But um, so, yeah, two two very different facts. And and not that not that I think this movie is like beyond criticism, like you couldn't possibly criticize it. But Ebert's actual review, which I went and looked up, feels like he completely missed everything. I mean, he missed <laughs> like the artistic intentions of the movie, but also I think culturally he also just did not get this because he was confused about things like this like yeah why are people talking to him why does he think he can just you know walk up to people and start talking and it's like you don't get it man <laughs> <laughs> you but 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 honestly if you tried to re you know in the hollywood style if you tried to remake this movie but in chicago yes i mean it wouldn't work at all right it wouldn't work in Chicago if you put it like in peoria or whatever like sure. a small town yeah, yeah. even there you would have issues there would be other problems. Well, the person would have to be, it would have to be like a small town where people like either knew him or knew of him. Like he couldn't be a complete stranger, I don't think, especially now, like I, at all. Or he would have to be like an incredible sweet talker where he just yeah. like can, can really charismatically convince people to listen to his pitch, 
the pitch being, will you please bury me after I kill <laughs> myself? Um, but anyway, Ebert, whatever he, you know, I, I have nothing against the guy, uh, but no. but he totally missed it on this one. Um, gosh, so many, so many little things to talk about here. When when I mentioned that the movie feels like almost as if it were ad libbed or something, you know, like they just went driving around, I feel like that's a complete illusion because watching it for the second time. There are so many carefully designed bits along the way that really work well together. Um, for instance, uh, a very simple one. You may have noticed it. Early on in the movie, when, when Buddy walks up to, a, to a, a guy and says, Hey, you know, uh, I have a, you know, an offer for you. There's a lot of money in it for you. The guy sort of just gives him a, tells him off very rudely, just says, Get the hell out of here, you know, or something like that. Um, before that, that guy was talking on the phone to someone. Do you remember that that bit? Yeah, this is very yeah. so. He was talking to somebody on the phone, and it sounded remember. like they were talking something about money, and they, they, there was yeah, some he sort needed, of yeah. He needed money. Yeah, and he yeah. said, "Okay, I'll I'll meet you at the museum at like three p.m." Late, the movie ends with Badi dropping off the professor at the museum, and a woman walks up to the car and asks if if she can if he can take their picture. The guy outside is the guy from the beginning. It's of the, the guy. Movie. Yes. He was talking to the woman that. on the phone about meeting at the museum. I'm not saying this isn't this isn't like a twist or anything. No, like no, that. no, not at all. Not at it's all. It's just but... like a nice pattern that that's, wow. that was set up. Um, and I feel I, I'm going to go full like art student. Please, you know, on, please do on this. But I feel like it has not not a very overt you know meaning, but it has a meaning without the movie, like many other details in the movie. Um, the place where Badi wants to be buried is sort of like you said. It's like a construction zone. It looks insane. It's like it's like the world of Wally or something. It's just like these hills <laughs> yeah. of dirt and stuff, and like these diggers and you know and whatnot moving around uh, and, mm-hmm. and digging. It's super dusty, and there's just this one winding road that he drives through and takes people to an essentially random spot where he has dug a grave. The only landmark is that there's a small tree next to it, and so yes. he tells people, you know, remember, you know, it's by by the tree. That's how we'll yes. find it. The final person that he talks to, the professor who who agrees to to bury him, um, tells him a story about how he once tried to commit a suicide, went to a tree, tried to hang himself, and ended up eating a mulberry off the tree, and then was sort of reminded of the sweetness of life. Yada yada. Uh, tree there, you know, and tree here. Um, I feel like there's a lot of little echoes and things like that, that because the movie is shot in such a naturalistic, like, handheld camera style, you feel like, oh, this couldn't possibly be there. This was just like somebody driving around for a day, and, you know, the shoot was probably six hours long. (laughs) And I feel like that's not the case at all. The whole thing is very sort of precisely set up. No, yeah, there's, it it all feels extremely intentional. And I think it actually, I think you could look at this film through uh, any number of, of, uh, additional lenses there's so many topics one could discuss yeah. for example like so he picks up three people yeah. uh one of which is a, a military person yep one of which is a religious person and one of which is like an everyday pragmatic you know salt of the scientist earth though because but will, also oh yeah. but also a scientist you're so right because right. so he works it's, at the museum it's the three conflicting parts of iranian society right it's like and 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 yet all of them have a similar approach to his problem yep or at least a similar take and they all kind of would come together it's like um have you ever seen uh uh the the three colors trilogy yes so i am obsessed with those films sure. um fantastic they're wonderful uh the 
the the third film, Three Colors Red, creates a connection between characters that only exists to the viewer of the film as opposed to the people in the film, right? It's creating a community, that, that that fraternity aspect, but it doesn't actually happen in the movie. And I think that these three people have an agreement on something, although the third one obviously is willing to do it. But they have an agreement on on a on a perspective that that they can't. Those three people probably couldn't get together and talk. But in the context of dealing with him, they can. More more on that. He meets three people, three three sort of made, three people who agree to at least go for a ride, right, with him. The first one is a young man. The second one is like a student, middle age, yeah. Middle, mm-hmm. And the third one is an old man. Yep. The young man is very shy and confused and sort of doesn't want anything to do with this and is not happy with his station in life. Buddy, who is like more like middle-aged, right? Um, he tells the soldier that when he was in the army, that was like the best time of his life. You know, he made all his friends there. And the young soldier clearly is not like relating to this. And that's probably because he's in the thick of it. Like five years from now, he might think that too. He just can't do that. He can't deal with that now. He's the only one also who just runs away eventually, like hops out of the car and just runs away. This is too much for him. He can't deal with it. He's too young, right? The the the, the religious uh, student, well, yeah, student is he's 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 older than what you think of as like a college student, right? Right, but he's still in. He's studying to be. He's in his like journeyman phase, I think, or something. Exactly. Yeah. He, he's the one who lays out, you know, a, a religious, uh, you know, reason and is kind of very calm about it. And then the old man, do you remember the reason that why, why the old man agrees to do this? Because he says, you know, I don't, I, I don't think you should do this. And he very much spends his time trying to convince him not to do it. But then he says, I, I will do it, you know, if you, if you want to. Do you remember why he agrees? He needs the money for his his granddaughter. It's it's either daughter or granddaughter. They just say child. It seems yeah. like it would be a granddaughter because he seems he's older. Very old, yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, the way that read to me is when you're older, it's not about you anymore, right? It's about the next generation, and like even something you don't agree with that's difficult, that's maybe morally, you know, uh, 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 questionable. You do it for somebody else. Like now, now your life is no longer yours. It's, you know, it's for somebody else. He's a professor who teaches at the school, you know, like that's, that's the station, you know, of life that, that he's in. Um, and then Badi himself, who knows, he's somewhere in the middle, but he's clearly like, he's a lost soul. He sort of doesn't. Well, and he seems to represent the, um, the, all three of those people are are not well off, and he seems to represent the like you know suburban or urban actually I guess in in an environment like that the urban class of like you know he's very middle to upper middle class right. for that society and represents kind of like maybe he's he doesn't you know he's lost his way because he's not connected to anything. I also thought uh, that it was interesting that the the young soldier is a Kurd, Kurd from yep. the Kurdistan part of, of Iran. The priest is an Afghani, Afghani, and the third guy is a Turkish Azerbaijani. Yeah, yep. So it's exactly. like they also represent different aspects of Iranian society and Middle Eastern society and Central Asian society and those kind of things. So it's like there's all these. There's the, the, we're just talking about the we haven't even gotten anything that happens, and it's just yeah. the, the makeup yeah. of the people is so interesting. And none of this is is so like spelled out in the movie that it beats you over the head it's just that the movie is crisp so like if you're paying attention you figure it out eventually but the way that the actual filmmaking is 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 performed is so like clean and crisp but yeah it's just it never never jumps out yeah you don't have to think about any of this stuff if you don't want to yeah it's it and it won't harm your enjoyment it's just there to to kind of think about if you want there's a 
the second time, there were points in the movie that almost made me cry, which is is also a little bit weird because the movie's not a tearjerker in the sense that, like, Badi, who wants to kill himself, never even gets incredibly emotional about it. He gets a little bit upset that people won't help him, but that's about it, right? He's frustrated. He's not, but he's never very, he never, well, he never talks about why, he very obliquely talks about why, but never really gets into it. Feels like it's a guilt or whatever, or something like that. Something going on with him where he just doesn't, he feels like he's, he's uh, uh, bringing sadness to his family and things like that, but he never really talks about it. One thing you mentioned is that the other, he seems well off and more of an urbanite compared to the others. The, the, the professor tells him that you know, whatever you think your problems are, they're not real problems, right? Like it can all be yeah. solved. Like don't don't think that it's so bad. And that's entirely possible. It's entirely, we don't know what his trouble is. I mean, maybe it is something horrendous. Maybe he has killed someone. But it's also possible that maybe he just has, that he's just unhappy in life, you know, and that, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Well, I think that it's very illuminating that he, I mean, I'm sure he just doesn't want to talk about it, but he doesn't tell the professor who really wants him to tell him because he's like, if you tell me what's wrong, I'm an old dude. I know a bunch of shit. I will tell you how to get out of this situation or I will help you solve it. And he doesn't want that, right? He's very clearly, he has to like, he refuses to speak when the guy is imploring him to tell him what's wrong. Yeah. Uh, around the the midpoint of the movie, before he meets the professor, there's a, the, the sequence that almost uh, you know got tears out of me was when um, Buddy has attempted to 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 talk this uh, priest in 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 uh, you know in studying uh, into burying him. It, it failed, and he's sort of feeling very down. And there's all this construction going on, and he sort of just sits there and watches these machines put pushing dirt. And it's like it's so heartbreaking because like. That's all he wants. He just wants some, he wants somebody, he keeps saying like, I just want 20 shovelfuls of, of dirt yeah. on me. Is that so hard? Just do that. And meanwhile, he's watching these enormous machines pushing tons of dirt constantly. And then there's that sequence where, um, his shadow is sort of cast on the, on, on the, on the dirt where, where, you know, dirt and bricks and rocks are falling. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's such a, I, I thought it was such a, I don't want to say sweet, but it's like a, it, it's a touching way to show his longing and his longing is for, for death and to be buried, which is, you know, kind of very dark, but the, w- the way it's shot and framed it, yeah, it, it feels more like longing than like some sort of like dark desire, at least to me. Yeah. Why do you think, uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you is why do you think that he cares so much about being buried under that tree and someone burying him. I mean, he's got the, he's killing himself with sleeping pills. Yeah. He could just do it in his apartment yep. and he wouldn't be driving around. He's, it's a holiday. He's driving around. And I, and as a sort of connected to that, something that I sort of just thought of is that he tells the, the soldier, the first one he meets, uh, come t- tomorrow morning and, and call to me. Yes. And if I'm alive, then help me out. And if I'm not, then, then bury me. And by the last guy, he doesn't, say that anymore right i don't well, think the only thing that happens is after he leaves the professor he turns around and comes back it feels like he has had some doubt because he yeah. comes back to find the professor and says oh you should you should uh, what is it yes like you should look in the hole just yeah, in throw case a and, rock or yeah like, throw a rock know, yeah just to make sure i'm actually dead so clearly yeah. he's having some doubts yeah. um, and the thing that that's touching there is that it feels like he's almost trying to tell the professor, hey, I'm, I'm vulnerable right now. Convince me. That I'm open. Now's your moment. Yeah. yeah. But the he guy doesn't, doesn't do it, even <laughs> no. though he has just been trying. Yeah. And that's because partly because he has to get back to class, right? And 
it yeah that that felt weirdly touching like on the one hand you can see it as like oh is this professor guy so like blind that he can't see what's happening but on the other hand like he he has tried his thing and like now he has other duties and responsibilities and again it's not about you anymore dude like you've had your chance you know i don't even know you i met you an hour ago i'm just doing this thing because i need this money you know yada yada but yeah. so why do you think he wants to why do you think it matters so much to him that that, that way I, I i wonder that i'm not sure if culturally there's some sort of uh, if it's so important to be buried properly in iran that like it's unthinkable to not do that even to him you know, somebody who's giving up on everything, maybe it just feels so important. The other thing I was thinking is he might want to not be found because it might be like an insurance scam or something like that. <laughs> Though it doesn't really feel like it would work. I mean, he buried no. himself by a very visible tree. And know? very, very, very shallow, by the way. Yeah, very shallow, <laughs> like... yeah. And also there's a person who did it. So clearly there's, you right. know, there's a mouth that'll talk about it. Uh, I think that's an some... interesting point, though, that perhaps, you know, if you kill yourself in a society that is as religious as that that if you kill yourself you know i'm i don't know but if you kill yourself maybe you can't be buried maybe yeah. he doesn't want to end up whatever they do to people who kill themselves and the, the the final thing that i thought is that given that he wants to do this at all kill himself and given that he's going around with this like weird kakamimi plan of paying people to bury him he clearly has issues, right? <laughs> so I feel like, not, not, not that I want to say that like mental illness is like a wild card that lets you do anything in a story, but you have to acknowledge it. He's not a fully rational person. Like he, he keeps talking the whole time as if what he's asking is perfectly rational and he's just trying to like make his case and explain it to people. But clearly it, it's, it can't just be that, right? So he might have some sort of hang up about getting buried that might be beyond like our rational you know parsing i think that's fair like i you know you make a good point that he's he he really does portray this to them and he, he tries differently with each person where he takes a different tack which is is smart he's he's very classically like uh uh depression manipulative yes, uh, yes. it's, it's yeah. like right out of a textbook but so he's he's kind of doing that and you don't know exactly how much of what he's saying is is true or he believes he's kind of trying to work his audience uh you know he immediately like the tack he takes with the the priest is very different than than he does with the um the soldier yeah but he yeah i think that makes sense he, he you know he he clearly uh is just very focused on on what he's what he's trying to do and wants to and maybe you know honestly maybe a lot of people i think when they kill themselves just they the only way that they can do it is to do it in a certain way. It's like I got to jump from the middle of the Golden right. Gate Bridge, right? Why, yeah. Why? Why do does anyone complicate their suicide attempt, yeah, which so many people do? I mean, part partly because it's because it's also like an expression, right? You almost feel like that'll outlive you, you know how you how you did it. I, I imagine that this no. was part of Ebert's uh, complaint. Also, was that like this guy's plan doesn't seem very well thought out? And I'm like, <laughs> well, he's not a con man. He's not robbing a <laughs> bank. Clearly, this is a you know an he's a unhealth- sad guy who yeah. needs some help but it's he a- does he really portrays it like nah whatever it's a you just you, you don't know how to use a shovel like you know, yeah like how do you yeah. not, why ah. can't you do this it's like i don't know man <laughs> i don't know you and this is weird it's very weird, weird. yeah so yeah. i feel like do you want to talk about the the ending the ending ending oh totally yeah i definitely do um I definitely, definitely. Do, do you want me to summarize it? Or? Please, please go ahead. All right. So we talked about that Buddy wants to kill himself. After he talks to the professor, we get a sort of a, a you know, a, a little set piece where he goes home. We see him taking the pills. Um, another heartbreaking part. He turns off the light before he leaves. 
Oh my god, that is so it's so heartbreaking. It's like, dude, yeah. you <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> no. yeah. But he turns off the light, leaves his place, takes the cab to the tree, takes a cab. Yeah, which Yeah, doesn't take his car. So, yeah. Doesn't take well, his car. Well, I, I was thinking that might have to do with him not wanting to be found or whatever. You oh, know? yeah, he or wants at to least throw people so off the trail quickly. for a uh, while. Also, it's a construction zone. Maybe he believes that, you know, they'll just build a, you know, whatever military barracks on top, on top of, of them, them whatever, whatever they're building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huh, yeah that's um, a good point. So he um yeah, takes a cab, goes there. He he has dug this very shallow grave. Uh, we hear the beginnings of a thunderstorm. Uh, this is at night now. Uh, he ends up sitting just on the hillside and looking over the city. This is all very, very long and slow at this point. And uh, smokes a cigarette and ends up lying in the in the grave. Now we get a close-up of his face in the grave. Uh, thunderstorm sort of builds up. Uh, and we get a blackout. A very long blackout. I would say like 30 seconds at least. We still have some audio of the storm and whatnot. It flashes on his face once or twice with his eyes still open, still at night. And then something very strange happens. We, we get a little bit of music in the soundtrack. And we fade in on handheld sort of bad quality camcorder footage of the film crew of the movie Taste of Cherry doing the shoot and pausing during a scene. And we see Kiarostami, the director. We see the cast, you know, d- during the shoot. We see this group of soldiers who were seen at one point in the movie who are who were supposed to be, like, you know, marching on this dirt road. And they're, they're sort of, they're getting, a, you know, message on the walkie-talkie that, you know, that, that they're taking a break. And then we see the, the soldiers uh, just sort of goofing off, you know, because, you know, they have this break, just sort of talking to each other, picking up flowers, you know, joking around. And, uh, and then we eventually just cut on that. And that's the end of the movie complete fourth wall breaking thing that in no way like directly references what happened or why this happened but that's the end of the movie <laughs> what did you did you think the movie ended when it blacked out before that uh no i didn't and i don't know why i didn't i didn't though Maybe I'm, just... I'm not saying you should have or whatever. I'm just no, wondering. no, no. But I didn't. Um, so one thing to note, by the way, very excellent summary. But one thing to note is that there is no music in this in movie the movie. Yes, until this point. Yeah. There's like a radio briefly, but there's no background music in the movie. And then all of a sudden, it's like this, and it's like it really is. I mean, even on the DVD transfer, which seriously, Criterion upgrade this movie. <laughs> but uh, even on the DVD transfer, I'm watching. The video quality is significantly... I mean, it's video. It's not film. It's, like, video right. quality. It, it and... looks like a webcam from, like, 1997. <laughs> it really does. Incredibly it's, it's hyper-saturated and, like, terrible. square compression yeah. problems. And, and yeah. the song is, like, very po- like pleasant, yeah. right? And sweet, kind of bouncy. It's not, like... It's, not it's like a Louis a Armstrong tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal song, by the way. But, you know, yeah. it's that energy. It's, yeah, it's Louis Armstrong. Um, it's a beautiful song, actually. But... Um, yeah, uh, so I have thought of very little else other than this since I saw the film. Right. Um, I have so many questions. Like, is is it is it a reflection on the themes? Right? Like, the, are there soldiers for the soldier, uh, or for the fact that the soldiers were the happiest time in Mister Body's life? Right. Uh, is the tree because of the mulberry story? Is is it a reflection on the nature of filmmaking? Is it? Uh, a reflection on Kirostami. He, I know, just as a programming note, that I know that he was never sure. He didn't like the ending of the film or wasn't sure about the ending and added this and then wasn't sure about this. And in fact, after it was in the screening at Cannes 
And after it won, he took the film to Italy and screened it without that part of the ending to see if audiences reacted differently to that. Uh, additionally, they never – you're never sure if if, if um, he even – you never see him – do you see him take the sleeping pills? Um, I feel like you see him do a motion that could be that. Okay. Um, he, he messes with something at like a cabinet or whatever. Could he's do. not dead when the movie ends. Not not visibly, no. The, the yeah. last we see him, he's alive, yeah. So we don't even, I mean, I think there is a, I'm not, I don't know how much I'd want to argue that he's not going to kill himself, but we don't officially know that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> and given his previous doubts, it's clear that he's not 100% on this. Yeah, yeah, he might He might just be, the, the, the taste of cherry too, uh, even cherrier might be like uh, him talking to the scientist guy like, yeah, that was crazy, remember that when I... You know, tried to kill myself that time, and you came and found me. Like, I don't <laughs> think it is, but it could be. Right. Right. So, the, yeah, the, the the very ending, gosh, uh, a, a lot of different things. I feel like one thing it's not is a very clear sort of, see, this is where it fits in the movie. Okay, and, and like you said, Kurosami himself was sort of futzing with it, you know, not, not 100% sold on it. So I feel like... It's it's certainly not one thing. It's at least two things, five things, or it's sort of a very like thematic thing that that you know uh, does a lot. And what we know of him, I think, odds are it was many many things. Yeah. Right. Um, what I like about it is that like often with with things like this, people's objection is that it's arbitrary. This, by the way, was Ebert's objection that it's arbitrary that that, that it doesn't mean anything. And arbitrary to me means that not just that it doesn't mean anything, that it can't mean anything. That like it just it can't possibly contribute. And I feel like that is not the case here. I th- there's a lot that I can that I can read from this like second ending of the movie. Um, for one, you mentioned there's no music elsewhere. Suddenly we get you know uh, happy music. The movie thus far is brown and a little bit of blue sky and a you know. And this is very green. Yeah, this is extremely hypersaturated green with like a you know pink flower showing up. You know, um, it, it it all of that is different. People are suddenly happy and interacting, and there are masses of people where so far we've only seen like one or two people. Um, what if this is the afterlife? Um, you know, because like, and and I don't mean literally the afterlife, but like in a movie like this, the afterlife has to be a dimension beyond. You know, you can't just like show heaven shot with the same camera and everything. That's not what heaven is. Heaven has to be transformative. You have to yeah. jump a dimension, right? And this definitely jumps a dimension. Like you know, takes you takes you outside of the movie. Uh, that's 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 one thing. Could be that it's it's bodies either either dream if he's still alive, you know, or you know, a reflection or like his final sort of Jacob's Ladder style, you know, thoughts <laughs> as, as he's actually dying. Um, which which would explain why he's seeing you know the happy soldiers who are goofing off, which is something you know that 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 he mentioned you know and the tree and all that. So I feel like there's there's so many things it could be, and it's not, and it doesn't say anything that sort of contradicts the movie or negates it or puts a twist on it. So in that sense, I feel like it's a success. Yeah, you know, I think maybe the most interesting thing to me about it. And I think all of those things are interesting, and we could – I want to talk forever about what I mean. But maybe the most interesting thing to me is that it is totally in unbelievably out of nowhere, but doesn't 
ruin yeah. or affect negatively in any way for me the movie. Like yeah. it doesn't change anything for me. I'm not mad about it. I yep. actually enjoyed it. Like I, I it it's almost impossible to say that it fits, but it fits. Yeah. Like not that not, not to like uh you know praise this movie by complaining about another, but here's 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 an ending that tries to be ambiguous that fails incredibly. Inception, right? You God, do- I hate that movie. Yes, yes yeah. Th- th- I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. But like, w- without turning this in, into you know another episode where you you know rage on it, I have that episode already. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. Yeah. Um, so that does the thing where like the spinning top, you know, spins and then oh, is it gonna fall or not? Boom, we're Who gonna cares? cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like this is a very American understanding of like ambiguity and double meaning and richness of meaning in, in, in cinema, it is so like just grafted on. Like you said, what, what does it matter either way if it goes here or if you, if, if, there? if you break down inception, which I don't want to, it's so <laughs> yeah. fucking dumb, but it, 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 everything is exactly the same no matter which direction. Right. That, and the idea that everything is a 50, 50. Uh, it's, no. And then it's so, it is so it's pretentious in the classic sense where like it's focusing on this so much like it's gonna blow your mind <laughs> and my mind is so far from being blown whereas i feel like what kiaristami does is he shows you an incredibly light scene like something like almost like your friends might have shot you know when they went you know hiking or whatever and if nothing else, it's such a nice like tonic at the end of this movie, which deals with pretty heavy stuff and ends otherwise on a really heavy note. And it's like, hey, here, take this little thing, you know. It's it's sort of it's it's frivolous and happy and fun. Like a like a um, what do they call it after the meal? The palate cleanser you have at the end of a meal in French cuisine, but oh, like aperitif is that no is that before or after is i that don't before know or after that's what i can't remember yeah uh, let's say aperitif it's like it's, it's it's sherry or port or yeah, whatever you brandy have after. at the end yeah. of the, the meal when you're just you want something to, to you've had you've experienced something heavy and real and meaningful and now you're just getting ready to move back into the world with a lightness in your heart and yeah. and, and honestly if that's all it is if all he was saying was yeah. i got this footage it's fun and you will feel a little less sad about the serious things you've been thinking about for an hour and a half. I'm cool with that too. Right. Which is which works for the film. Like you saw a sad film, now let me give you something happy. But it might it work for life as well, which is what this movie is about, you know, where, you know it it's not it, it doesn't always have to be so heavy, you know. Maybe all that it takes to get the body out of this weird cycle, you know, of thinking about somebody burying him after death is just, you know, twisting it well, I I think that that makes a lot of sense because one of the things I thought was that the the story that the old man tells about the mulberry tree, right, that a mulberry is what saved his life, yeah. and then the film is called Taste of Cherry, right, and he's burying himself under what could very well be, you know, a cherry tree, yeah. So the the, the title is mentioned because the old man at one point sort of lists things about life yes, that you don't yeah. want to miss, and he says, "Do you do you really never want to taste a cherry again?" You know, yeah. so yeah, it's a great list. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the in the original title is "Taste of Cherry with an Ellipsis." Oh, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, huh. uh, it, Iranian is a right-to-left reading language, and so it yes. leads with an ellipsis. But I'm pretty sure that when it's translated, yeah, I'm looking it up. It it has uh, an ellipsis. An ellipsis. The yeah. U.S. release doesn't have that, but uh, apparently, originally, it has that. I'm not going to try to say the Farsi here, but yeah, it ends with the ellipsis. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, just real quick, how familiar are you with Kiarostami in general? Uh, 
not as much as I would like to be now. Right. And I, I own a bunch of his films, and I'm very excited to watch them. I've seen maybe like four, and boy, is he like a like an intentional filmmaker, you know? Somebody. You get, I got that feeling for sure. Like even just watching this one, I was like, okay, I feel like I have a sense of yeah. that. C- Close Up is another one that deals with sort of, I don't want to say similar themes, but in similar ways that also is, is a little bit of like a mind-bending movie. I have that one. I have um, a certified copy certified of like Someone copy. in yeah. Love. I think uh, Criterion rumored to be putting out the Coker trilogy at some point. Mm, okay, um, yeah. They are all on the Hulu channel if you if you have that. But yeah, he's he's really interesting too because uh, his um, like his first N films were made in Iran, but like like Someone in Love is in Japan and yeah. in Japanese yeah. and with Japanese actors. Yeah, it's like that's really interesting to me. Like he's a he seems like a very uh, Renaissancey type guy, like stretching himself out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after after this movie, uh, he he got such a like following around the world that I can totally see that like doors were open to him. He could do basically whatever he wanted, and it seems like he wants to do big things. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's actually, I, you know, I made the reference to to the uh, Three Colors trilogy, and I I wouldn't say that Kiarostami and Kishlowski are super similar, but there are are certainly some similarities in that sense of like the intentionality and the kind of way that i mean the way that they handle in in a sense that grief and sadness in, in like for example uh three colors blue is not entirely dissimilar to me to the way that this movie plays out yeah 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 i i'd agree with that uh well i'm re- i'm really glad you liked it it's it's really a movie i love talking about it's wonderful i mean i think we could have an entire whole other discussion on the nature of like just on his comments about uh suicide as a as a sin versus and it's it's um relative merits to sadness as a sin like whether or not you're hurting your family versus leaving your family like which one is worse and like th- that's like a like one line in the movie and i could probably talk about that for two hours right it's, yeah th- there's a lot to unpack and think about in this film and i i, I thank you so much for uh, you know essentially uh, uh inspiring me to well definitely inspiring me to watch it and i, I just really loved it just sorry just remind me of a tiny tiny detail please no when please please when about halfway through the movie, uh, Buddy tries to talk uh, uh, like a security guard who's up in this rickety tower, uh, figures out that this is not going to work, and then goes to leave. And as he's leaving, he complains about the ladder that he's descending because it's very unsafe and tells him, you, you know, you should fix this. You know, it's unsafe. He's about to kill himself, <laughs> yet he is complaining about this ladder. You know, I could fall off this, you know. <laughs> I'll hurt myself. Yeah, this is a guy who hangs out in construction sites with no gear, like you know, just like whatever. He's very cavalier, and yet, yeah, he doesn't the ladder. But you know, he's a that's life, right? Like yeah. until you do it, he's you're still alive until you're not, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just because you made this big plan doesn't mean that suddenly you have this like. Uh, godly detachment from life right right yeah life exactly. is still life yeah <laughs> it's it it i will be watching this one many many more times and i'm really very excited to watch his his other films like I, they've moved high up my list of things i i want to do so um uh was there anything else you wanted to get into or is that seem like a nice uh, t- ten thousand things but no that well I feel yeah like, I, agree. <laughs> I, I want people to go out and see it i feel like i can recommend this one i mean be a little bit open-minded but it's a movie that very much does that thing. If, if you're open to it, you sit down. It's slow, and there's no action in it, but you can't take your eyes away from it. Because from the start, when you realize what this guy's asking everyone, it is so just like, well, what happens next? Well, what happens next? You know, it's... Yeah, and there's an urgency, and there's a... 
a, a presence about him that you you connect with, and you're really like, okay, you're kind of you're not sure you're on his side. You're not you're not really on any side. You're just kind of you just want to see what happens, and you, you just kind of like it, it it compels the plot forward in a really powerful way. There's it's 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 not it it's a very brisk movie. Oh, there is one other thing I wanted to do while I had you here because I know this is something that you and I both um, uh, share, I think, strong op- op- opinion of. Both of these movies around 90 minutes long. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> that is the Thank correct you. length for, <laughs> for a movie. Anything beyond that is wrong. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like, like you're not what I'm unless you're I will say unless you are Akira Kurosawa and even then, really man, uh like yeah. Bergman 90 minutes. This movie 90 minutes. Yep. Dreyer 90 minutes. Like you don't need a story can we we describe the dryer film as being slow, slow. It's in 90 <laughs> at 90 minutes, minutes. it's yeah. in 90 minutes like you don't need three hours to tell your tale and all you really do is make me not want to watch the movie right both of these movies have the thing of being very focused on what they're trying to do and not distracting you with unnecessary subplots not distracting you with like hero's journey stuff where now i have to you know refuse my calling or whatever like they're they're very they're very they're they're crisply told, but they don't feel like they have to give you things just because that's how modern storytelling works or whatever. Right, and you can present the vibe of of that slowness and that distance and that all that without making your movie ten times longer. Like you don't need that. Like the fact that Inception is like an hour longer than, but yeah. I'll keep whatever. I'll keep piling on Inception. I really do not. All of Nolan's that. movies. Yeah, oh, he, God, he yeah. has made forty hours of cinema that the doesn't need to exist even if you're a nolan fan exactly and it's like i I don't even know 40 hours like bergman made 100 movies and i'm not sure he hit 40 (laughs) hours i mean i'm a huge ingmar bergman fan but like really huge but like it's just you don't need it it's not there are so few stories that can not be told you know it it, uh, it just drives me crazy i know it drives you crazy too so i wanted to yeah it's such a uh, just quickly jumping to day of wrath i really loved how how efficient the the opening scene was where it's like single shot Two minutes, maybe you know you you get you get the the setting, you get the sort of the global story of like witch hunt, you know you you get a character who's going to be very major, you get a minor character who you don't even need, but hey, she's there, you know, and you get that that she flees and all of that like single shot. I feel like in a modern American movie that would have been twenty five minutes <laughs> with three hundred cuts. With 300, well, oh, yeah, God. Close up, close up, close up, close up. Over the shoulder, close up, over the shoulder, close up. Like, have you, um, are you aware of uh, uh, the Every Frame of Painting series? Yes, yes. Okay, Tony's a phenomenal guy. Yes, um, yes. That, I, I don't keep up with them as much as I should, so, yeah, which one do you... You should watch the, I think it's the most recent one still, and it's about this exact thing about telling a story by, by using the camera or using the actors instead of using the camera. Right. Like you don't need to go jump, 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 jump. Just let the people <laughs> act, like, you know, let the story be told. Uh, and I think, yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're in a modern movie, American movie, this would be, you know, five cutaways and, and three explanations and two other scenes of people talking about the thing. And it's like, you don't, I think it's just it's just a, a indulgent storytelling where it's like okay you you know that you can get away with releasing your two and a half hour movie so you're not going to sit down and think what do I what of this do I need and you're leaving in a hundred things you don't need and, and in fact don't want 
animated films are the only refuge because they're it's very expensive to add 10 minutes of animation so they cut it at 90 which is probably like what the studio will you know sign off on and no less so yeah like animated movies almost every single one is hitting like 90 to 95 minutes and Thank we describe God. Pixar as being some of the best storytellers of the modern age. It's not a coincidence. coincidence? Yeah. It's not a coincidence. It is, stop making these long-ass movies. I'm looking at my – like I will look at my shelf and be like, all right, well, I want to watch a movie tonight. Well, I can't watch any of the like I can't watch any of these because I don't have four hours to, to sit down and think about this right now. It's so annoying. But yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, you, why don't you tell the people where they can – you know more about you. Uh, I'm Nevin Mergen. Uh, Mergen.com, M-R-G-A-N.com is my uh, poorly uh, uh, updated website. Uh, Twitter, M-R-G-A-N. Uh, that's where I post my dumb jokes. Uh, that's what you mostly get out of me. Yeah, and also uh, they can find you on Letterboxd too. Yes, yes. I am on, on Letterboxd. I, I love that site. I don't write as much as I should because uh, I, I sort of feel like I don't have enough um, e- e- enough language to, to write a good film review but i but i love the website um yeah so your comments on this film were this is a perfect film which i can't disagree (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just what i thought after i saw it the second time i was like it is unimprovable in the sense that there's there's nothing i I sometimes get that annoying thing where like "Eh, i wish i did it just a little thing i have no idea what i would change in this movie i mean other than making a different movie (laughs) there's nothing where i would go like oh i just wish you'd done this it's no like it's the movie has casts a spell and the spell works and you know you either wanted to turn into a prince or you didn't exactly so i don't write film reviews either but i because and i explain why in one of my recent (laughs) non-reviews but um i write about the criterion collection at cinemagadfly.com uh slowly going through all of the films uh and writing something about each one of them and you can also find me on twitter cinema gadfly and i'm also on letterboxd as well so um thank you all for joining us and uh i'll see you guys next month with a totally different guest and uh totally new movies so uh have a good night everybody